the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In today's culture, sin is dealt with as just slip-ups, goofs, and nothing more than stealing a pen from work or running a red light on accident. The horrors of sin. That's next. Join us. Our pride, our self, our flesh, it seeks to do nothing more than minimize sin so as to get away with life without death. And in fact, that is what we're discussing today on Abounding Grace, online at reformedheritage.org. Welcome to the program. Pastor Gary Wagner continues his journey through the book of Romans. Today, we're in chapter 7, verses 13 through 25, where we see just how bad how horrid sin really is. It requires something just as radical to deal with it. And that's why we need to understand just how bad sin is. If you had cancer, you wouldn't want the doctor telling you it's nothing more than a headache. Take an aspirin and go home. You'd want a proper diagnosis. Well, that's what we're looking at. Here's Pastor Gary. When we see how short we fall of God's glory, we confess verse 18. In me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He's an honest man, and we need to follow his example. A man who joins God in condemning his own sinfulness. Paul says, the fault is all mine. I should be better than I am. I should not commit the the sins that I often do. The will is present with me. I want to do what is right, but I am very weak. I don't even know why I live like I do sometimes. But notice here, however oppressed faith is, it's always ready and it wants to obey God. Let me ask you a question. And your eternal destiny may depend on your answer. Can you say at all, I hate my sin not just does it make me feel how it makes me feel when I sin but I hate that I have displeased my heavenly father and that hatred leads you to cry to God and seek mercy and hold on to Jesus all the more Paul's confession should strike us deeply this language is absolute no good Thing dwells within me, in my flesh. Flesh is everything that is opposed to God's grace and holiness until God comes and renews us. But do we not want to claim some of the credit for this? One reason the Lord Jesus is not more precious to us, one reason we don't call upon him with more fervency, more longing, is that we hold on to there must be some good in us. I'm not that bad. I haven't sunk so low yet that I need to go back and get all spiritual and weepy and honest. 
a leading cause of the sinfulness of believers is our failure to reckon honestly with just how depraved we are. In me, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Did you ever notice that Jesus never healed anyone who came to him and said, Lord, I've got one bad eye. The other eye's okay. And there never was a leopard cleansed who said, Lord, I've got this little spot on my arm. No, they confessed to total blindness, utter filth, complete weakness, and inability to please God. And here is a godly man, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And what is he saying in the present tense is, in my, in me dwelleth no good thing. What else is this? but giving all credit to God for any good that was in himself. And if we don't do that, if we don't give God all the credit for all the good, any good, we're not going to honestly confess this about ourselves. And pride is still holding us in its deadly grip until we can honestly say, until you, until I can honestly say, In me dwells nothing good. The little bit of investigation I have done of my own heart tells me that in me, my fallenness, and in my corruption, there is nothing there but lurking filth, deceit, pride, worry, control, me, selfishness, lust, whatever it is, anger, hostility. I want my way, whatever it may be. You see, until we feel this way, how can we bemoan our depravity before the Lord? And until we do that, we just push God further away. I shared this with you before, but we do well to think of it here. You may be thinking, what sins had Paul committed? I I mean, to talk like this, was he carrying around naughty scrolls with him? Was he a cursing man? What sins specifically had he committed? Do you know that there is within us a filth that is far deeper than any actual sins that we have ever committed? Pick the worst sin, your particular worst sin. When you think of this sin, it is possibly at the bottom of the barrel. But there is something way deeper than that. And the deeper sin is that in every one of us, there's this animosity toward God. Until he comes and breaks us, until he renews us, there is a foundation of corruption from which all of our actual sins spew out. So Paul here is not bemoaning, I had lustful thoughts. He's not bemoaning, I said an angry word to a wayward church member. He is bemoaning. That his very innermost being is not completely devoted to my God. That I do not love him with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength, and all my mind. That is what Paul is bemoaning here. We must bemoan that as well. Because until we do, we're never going to rejoice in God's grace. Do you know what the greatest miracle in the world is? 
The greatest miracle in the world is not feeding 5,000 or 50,000 or walking on water or even necessarily the resurrection from the dead. One of the greatest miracles is when people who are filthy and so corrupt like you and me are, are able to do one thing that is good. Husbands, were you able to do one truly good thing to serve your wife this week without grumbling and complaining? Now, even the good things we do are stained, but understand, God Almighty came down into your life And he enabled you to do that. It isn't just some inner principle of goodness that you have because of your training and because of the things you have learned along the way. No, God Almighty came down and he did that. We would be a lot more sensitive to God's presence in our lives and a lot more joyful if we just realized how wicked we are. Now, you might say, but those two things don't go together. Oh, but yes, they do. Because then I give all the credit for all the good I do to God. He did it. His grace, his power, his mercy. He really is working in me. He is doing what he said he would do, beginning a good work and and completing it until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice now verses 19 and 20. Paul now turns back to the impact of indwelling sin. It's added by way, actually, of clarification, but that he would repeat the same basic idea in such a short span of lines must indicate that we really need encouragement in our war with sin. Being born again, we see the good of God's law. God's law is written on our hearts, and we want to obey it. We delight in it. Our natures have been changed We've been born again from on high so that pleasing God is what really pleases us. And unlike the child of this world, oh, we hate sin. We really don't want anything to do with it. More than anything else, we would like to be completely free of its very presence so that we can serve God with perfect integrity and the simple pleasure of him smiling at us. Yet it is not us yet, is it? We do not do the good, verse 19. We commit the evil. But here is God's grace come to us. And when we find ourselves so attached that we don't do what we would, and we do what we would not, it is not us. Verse 20, Paul says it again. It's not me. So are we schizophrenic, religious lunatics? Pay careful attention to this. I want you to meditate on this this evening when you go home. If you are a believer here today and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of the most astounding claims that we have run across yet in this letter. A very weighty truth. We are not our sin. If we are in Jesus and we are trusting in him, we are not our sin. In a fundamental sense, we are as done with sin as Jesus is. He died to its power and he rose to a newness of life. Yet, it is still present in us. We still have to deal with it. It's a hard reality that no good thing dwells in our flesh. But sin is not what dominates us or defines us. 
God's grace in Jesus is. And this wonderful good gospel news, it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. In Colossians 3.3, Paul says, our lives are hid within Christ in God. So what defines us now? Paul says it's not sin. Yes, it's a hard business dealing with it. It makes us weak. But the more honest we are about our condition, the more we are going to mourn before God. Don't ever deceive yourself, young people. Some of you are very pretty and you smile a lot. Some of you want to have a good time, but don't ever forget. When our Lord Jesus was describing the character of the sons and daughters of his kingdom in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who mourn. He never said, blessed are those who joke. Blessed are those who cut up all the time. Blessed are those who never want to be serious. Blessed are those girls who look in the mirror and are happy with their own beauty or so discontented and wish they looked better. How blessed are those young men who boast in their strength and their ability to overcome all situations. No, blessed are those who mourn. Because when God's grace comes to us in this life, that grace introduces to us a principle of crying. Now, it also introduces joy. So we're going to be a basket case a lot of the time, beloved. Crying on the one hand, laughing on the other. But wasn't that David? Isn't that the Psalms? You turn my mourning into dancing, David said. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't go from being awake to dancing in 30 seconds, but David did. And at some level, that is what God's grace does to us. Oh, we weep over our sins. <clears throat> we mourn over them, but we're also rejoicing because it is not us. Yet the battle is there, and we have to fight against it, we are called to, but we face our sins with a different spirit. We are not sin-focused, sin-obsessed, sin, oh, woe is me. Yes, it is there. I hate it, but I love Jesus and his righteousness. So in many respects where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Where weeping over our sins abounds, joy in Jesus abounds all the more. So don't be afraid to deal with your sins honestly, child of God. It's not fun. It is painful. Just read Paul. But yet, that is the path to joy. Wasn't that Jesus' path to joy? No one had to deal as honestly with sin as he did. Satan's temptation to him, especially the last one. Have the kingdom. Have the crown. Have the joy. Just bow down to me, Satan said. Don't listen to your father's path. You know where he's going to take you. Satan knew the Old Testament. He will take you through the black veil, that horrible, bleak valley of judgment. But Jesus set his face like flint because there is no joy unless sin is dealt with at all levels in our families, in our personal lives, in our marriages. There is no joy unless sin is dealt with and Jesus did deal with it.
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Father, if by thy will, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but let thine be done. Jesus dealt honestly with sin. And we have to deal honestly with it if we know him. I've got this sin. I've committed it. I am accountable, says the believer. But Jesus paid the price for them. And the more I am forgiven, the more my love for Jesus grows, the Son of God, my Savior. The longer I live, the more I want Christ in me, the hope of glory, less of me, more of him. My old man, he has been crucified. And I am not going to allow his gloom to cloud my joy. As a Christian, by God's grace, I'm going to do what I should have been doing the whole time. I'm going to take my eyes off of me, my problems, and I'm going to remember Christ's life. Why do you think he gave us four Gospels? So that we would spend four lifetimes studying them. Every word of them. Because I need to look at his obedience. I need to look at his death on the cross. I need to look at his sufficiency. Because as long as I look at me and my weakness and my sins, there will be no strength in that. I need to look at my Savior. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the only one who can deliver you and I from the horror of our sins. So what am I going to do? Yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I struggle with my sins. But I'm going to continue to believe and trust upon him. Peter didn't say that day when he had fallen into the sea. Well, you know, Jesus fed me this morning. So I can't go to him now again. By the way, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 was that morning. And he walked on the sea that evening. So Peter didn't say, well, he's already. No, he said, I may drown a hundred times today, but I will call upon the Son of God every single time. I'm going to mourn over my sins every single time and ask him to come and deliver me. There is no limit to his forgiveness, beloved. So, love, beloved, don't forget this. The godliest men, reading about them in Scripture... Daniel, Job, David, Peter, Paul, the Holy One, our Lord Jesus. They were astounded by the horror of sin. At Lazarus' tomb, what do you think Jesus, why do you think Jesus was weeping? Because of sin's horror. It is a monster. Rebellion against God is the greatest misery man can know. Why? Because it separates us from him. And believing in the Lord Jesus, we're not yet free from sin. I'm having to deal with it, but we are free from its power and its condemnation. But it is going to try to bring us back under its slavery. So what are we supposed to do? Abide in Jesus and sin will not prevail over you if you are a true believer. Let me finish by giving you three practical things as if all of this Hasn't been practical already. One, you have a mortal enemy. 
and he does not live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yet he spends a lot of time there. That mortal enemy is sin, rebellion against God. I love what Calvin said. It is better to die 10,000 deaths than to sin once against Almighty God. Let that be your resolve. I would rather die than sin. But second, you are going to sin. I'm go- it's going to happen many, many times, as we already know. But don't despair. Do not despair because Jesus has swallowed sin, death, the grave, judgment. He swallowed it whole by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. So believe in him and you will be a new creature. And don't ever cease calling upon the name of the Lord because he will save you. Trust in God's grace. He will forgive you. Confess your weakness and look to the Lamb of God. This passage has encouraged me and perhaps saved me more times than I can ever count. Because being somewhat arrogant by nature, it's very easy to fall into perfectionist traps that I don't really measure up. Therefore, I must not know the Lord. That may not be your problem. It's just my confession. And I keep coming back to this. It is only a fool who does not realize how deep the corruption truly goes. Now I can be as prideful and as arrogant and perfectionistic as Solomon said in Ecclesiastic, too holy, all I want to be. But the fact of the matter is that in me, in my flesh, there is no good thing. My only goodness is now resurrected and standing at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. He is your goodness. And in your evil, will, he will make you good today. Whatever it is for the first time. As you look to him and say, you say, Lord Jesus, I am all filth. You are all righteousness. I look away from myself. I condemn myself and I look to you, the Lamb of God. Do that. Do it now. Never delay being made right with God because men die all the time. At 20, at 30, at 40. Step out the house, hit by a bus. But even more, if you live to 80, why would you want that ball of sin to just be growing in you and be wound more and more tightly your whole life until the bitterness and the regret are the blood that flows through your veins? Oh, cast it off. Look at the Lord Jesus and be saved. He will save you and be encouraged I know many of you and myself as Christians, we struggle with our sins. So hang on to Romans 7. Now, don't feel any better about your sins. Don't think, well, Paul struggled. When you read a passage like this as a Christian, listen, it's not a pressure release valve that says, okay, I don't have to worry about it so much. Everybody sins. No. It is like a pleasant goad to go to Jesus, run to Christ. The fact that I struggle does not release me from my accountability. I'm not surprised by my struggles. 
because the corruption was deeper than I knew when I first started out. How many of you would stand up and say, that is my testimony as a Christian? I thought it was going to be easier. But I find that the corruption, the weakness is a lot deeper than I thought it was. Oh, be encouraged. Jesus is a lot more powerful than we realize he is. And God is a lot more merciful. And the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us of all our sins. So look to the Lamb of God. And looking to him, you can't possibly love your sin. But you will hate it and you will want to forsake it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408. 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.